The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. In this episode, what should employers be prepared for if their staff are now working from home? How do you navigate the government advice on furloughing staff? And how are you best able to protect your business so that we all have jobs to return to when this is over? Hello and welcome to this, the first of our Mishcon Academy digital podcasts. I'm Will Winch, an employment lawyer at Mishcon de Rea, and I'm joined by my colleague Sharon Tan to discuss some of the most topical issues for anyone employing people during the current COVID-19 crisis. We're speaking from our respective houses, and this whole thing is being recorded over the internet, observing social distancing rules. Sharon, what are some of the questions you've seen clients grappling with since the start of this crisis? Thank you, Will. This is clearly an unprecedented situation for everybody. And one of the biggest challenges for businesses is how to deal with the uncertainty that we all face because nobody knows how long this is going to go on for. And that makes it incredibly difficult for businesses to plan. So the fact that the government have stepped in to provide the coronavirus job retention scheme is a really good thing because it's providing a safety net for everybody whilst we wait and see how things pan out during the course of this pandemic. Having said that, it's obviously given rise to lots of questions about how it operates in practice, because it's a new thing that nobody has ever had to deal with before. Yeah, I think I think the word furlough has become the new proroguing word of the <laughs> year. You're talking about the job retention scheme, though. So let's have a bit more detail about it. What is it and how does it work? It's a scheme that's designed to ensure that employees are paid, even though their employer hasn't got any work for them to do. And it comes in the form of a grant from the government who reimburses employers for up to 80% of the salary costs that they incur for employees who've been placed on furlough. That's subject to an overall cap of £2,500 per month for each affected employee. And in order to qualify, the employee needs to have been employed and on payroll as of the 19th of March this year. Whenever the uh, coronavirus job retention scheme was first announced, the date that was in play was the 28th of February, and that was recently changed, I think, within the last week or so to the 19th of March following some political pressure. Yeah, and I understand that if you are an employer who has um, made a decision based on the on the 28th of February, you can you can still change your mind up to the 19th of March. And in terms of you know, you're talking about salary. How does the salary um, get calculated? I'm thinking in particular of people on, say, zero hours contracts, but also um, for, for employees with, you know, with a normal permanent job. It's a very good question, because as you say, everybody's got different salary constructs. For those who are on a fixed salary, it's quite straightforward. You just take the salary that they were entitled to receive as at the 19th of March. But for those who are on a variable income, where their income varies month to month, you take the higher of the earnings that they received over the last 12 months on average, um, or you give them the amount that they received in the corresponding calendar month in 2019, whichever of those is the higher. You also then have elements of remuneration aside from salary. So things like commission and bonuses, uh, those can be included if the employer is obliged to pay them regularly. Discretionary amounts are not, however, included. Okay, and if you've got an employee who has salary sacrificed some of their salary, what what happens about them? Again, a very good question. You have to ignore the amounts that have been sacrificed for the purposes of the scheme. Uh, clearly, in a salary sacrifice arrangement, an employee elects to give up a portion of their salary in order to obtain an alternative benefit. And what the government has said is that you can't use any part of this grant to subsidise the benefit that has been provided in lieu of the salary that's been sacrificed. Okay, so you're you're stuck with the with the lower salary after you after you've sacrificed. Now, 
if you if you're self-employed can you then claim under this scheme or is it is this is this just for employees this one's just for employees. There's a separate income protection scheme for the self-employed. What you can do if you own a personal services company is you can claim for the salary element that you've paid yourself, but you can't claim for any dividends that you've paid via that personal services company. And you have to be an employee at the moment? or I mean, you were talking about the 19th of March being the trigger date. But if you had fired someone in the, you know, you've been yourself um, made redundant uh, since the 28th of February up until the 19th of March. Can you, in those circumstances, an employer reinstate someone who's been dismissed? You can, yes. The government has said that it's possible for employers to bring back employees who have been made redundant before the relevant date, but it's not mandatory. So it's a, it's a matter for employers to agree with their former employees. Okay. And if you are, if you are on furlough, the idea being, I guess, that you don't do any work while you're in furlough, but you're allowed to do any work if you are if you have been furloughed. You're not allowed to do anything that would generate any sort of revenue or income for your employer. So you're off the books and you're not actively working. What you can do is you can undertake some training during a period of furlough leave. And from the employer's perspective, they need to ensure that if an employee undertakes any training, that they receive at least the national minimum wage in respect of any such time. That means that if their furlough leave pay falls short of that, it will be incumbent upon the employer to top them up. So there you are, you're at home, you've been put on furlough, you're not allowed to uh, to do any work for your employer. Can you work for anyone else while you're on furlough? It depends on what your contract of employment says. If you were able to do that before you were put on furlough leave, i.e. if you were able to work for somebody else, then that remains the case. You can't work for the employer who has furloughed you. But if you, for example, had another job with another employer alongside that, and that employer hasn't furloughed you, then you can certainly continue to work for them. Uh, what What you also can do is you can volunteer during this pandemic. So, for example, if you want to go and volunteer for the NHS and you've been furloughed, that's not going to jeopardize any payments under the coronavirus job retention scheme. So you've said that your con- you know, if your contract doesn't allow you to do so, then you can't. But can you agree with your employer um, to amend your contract so that you can go off and work for a delivery company, say, or you know, go and, do, do, go and take some other job? If you haven't already got two jobs to start with, can you go and find something else to supplement your income in those circumstances? It does look as though it's going to be possible for employers and employees to mutually agree to amend the contract in that way so that somebody could do that, yes. We've talked about employees getting 80% of their salary and it being capped up to two and a half thousand pounds. So are they then entitled to the rest of the salary? What happens to that? Yes, they are, unless the employee agrees to take home a lesser amount. But it's important to note that the scheme doesn't require the employer to pay that additional amount in order to access the job retention scheme. As far as the government's concerned, that's a matter between the employer and the employee. So you're going to need to get the consent of the employee if you want to vary the terms of the contract. But so what happens, though, if the employer can't then afford to top up the salary? As I say, then that's a matter for agreement between the employer and the employee. And in order to lawfully avoid paying the difference, uh, the employer will need to get the consent of the employee to vary the terms of their employment contract. In addition, if the employer intends to make redundancies, if the answer is no, in other words, if the employee refuses to consent to taking home a lesser amount, then the employer will need to look at collectively consulting uh, with its workforce if 20 or more employees are likely to be affected 
by what they're proposing. That would involve, at a very high level, them notifying the government, arranging for the election of employee representatives if they don't already have those in place, and then engaging in a collective consultation process. What does the scheme do to existing employment law? Does it change things in any way? Absolutely not. It does absolutely nothing to change existing employment law. In fact, the government has said that this scheme is expressly subject to existing employment law. It's merely an economic grant for the government. And so in implementing the scheme and operating it in practice, employers will need to make sure that they do observe all existing employment laws and are in compliance with them. When you set about who who you're thinking about, who to furlough, how should you choose who's going to be furloughed? The employer may need to look at implementing selection criteria if they only need to furlough some of their staff. Uh, It may be that certain members of staff would welcome the opportunity to be furloughed. For example, if they've got childcare commitments and are just finding it too difficult to manage everything. But that's a matter of dialogue and the employer in implementing the furlough scheme needs to be very careful not to discriminate in the way they go about selecting people. Whilst there may be a desire, for example, to protect older workers or to to make it easier for those with childcare issues, employers should be very careful about requiring them to be put on furlough as it may be discriminatory and amount to unlawful treatment. When you are choosing to put someone on furlough, is there any particular thing that you need to do? Is it just a matter of telling the employees that they are now furloughed um, or do you need to do anything else? As I said earlier, if you're going to pay employees less than 100% of their normal salary, then it's been clear from the outset of this scheme that you would need to secure their consent. What wasn't clear at the beginning was whether you needed to get the agreement of the individual if you were still prepared to pay 100% of salary. And the government has clarified within the last week that you do in fact need the agreement of any employee that you want to furlough regardless of whether you want to top up or not. There's been a lot of conversations about holiday that I'm aware of in terms of, you know, whether employees can or cannot take holiday. What's your view? It's a very interesting question as far as the government's concerned. They don't think that the holiday regime has changed. What has changed, of course, is that they have enabled those for whom it's not reasonably practicable to take holiday to roll forward any such holiday for another two years. But that, I think, is intended to as the language says, be limited to those for whom it is not reasonably practicable. Outside of that, it looks as though the the general rules apply in relation to holiday. And so what that means is that employees ought to be able to take a period of holiday during furlough leave. And if they do, the employer will have to top them up to 100% of their pay, even if the employee has agreed to take furlough leave at 80%. Um, By the same token, employers can require employees in the normal course to take holiday on predetermined dates as long as they give them twice the advance notice as the length of the holiday that they want the individual to take. So if you wanted an individual to take two days holiday, you would need to give them four days advance notice. And we think that those same rules are likely to still apply. So it's not going to be the same as for an employee on sick leave, we think. Um, asking, you know, you can't ask an employee in those circumstances to take holiday, but we think that it's slightly different under furlough. Now, if you are an employee, can you insist on being furloughed? No, it's a call for the employer to make. And when the employer has made a decision to put you on furlough, are they then stuck with that? Or can they take, take you off furlough and rotate you with other people if necessary? Government have said that an employee needs to be furloughed for at least three weeks before the furlough grant applies. 
So you can't furlough somebody for a week on a week on, week off rotation. But what you could do is to have three weeks on, three weeks off. Or perhaps more practically, if people are paid monthly, then you could have a month on and a month off by way of rotation. Again, do be careful when you select people for this to make sure that there's no unlawful discrimination. If you have been furloughed, does that mean that you're going to be safe from redundancy or can it, can an employer um, make decisions about redundancies even when staff are off on furlough? Employers can. The fact that somebody has been put on furlough doesn't affect an employer's ability to make redundancies at a later date if it considers it necessary to do so. In the normal course, as always, an employer will need to consult with individuals and potentially with representatives of employees as well before making redundancies um, as is required by current employment legislation. Well, for now, let's wrap up there. I'd like to say thanks so much to Sharon Tan for joining me for the first of these Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions podcasts. I'm Will Winch, and in the next episode, my colleague Alex Rhodes will be looking at how businesses are responding to COVID-19 and the importance that social value will play in success in the post-crisis world. The Digital Sessions are a new series of online events, videos and podcasts, all available at mishcon.com. And if you have any questions you'd like answered or suggestions of what you'd like us to cover, do let us know at coronavirus at mishcon.com. Until next time, take care. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com.